Today we're going to be in Psalm 119. If you have a Bible, let's open up there. I was hoping to finish the chapter this evening, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen this year. Just joking. One more week, Lord willing. So we've been in Psalm 119. This will be six weeks, and then next week will be seven, and we'll finish it up then. But uh, I don't know if you knew this. Uh, today, October 3rd, is the first Thursday of every month for the last, I think, six years, is Bring Your Bibles to School Day. Did any of you guys hear about that? I'm curious. Who heard about it? Raise your hand. Okay, so some of you guys did. And so it's kind of cool. Uh, they say that when it first started out, you know, focus on the family kind of got the word out there, encouraging the, the students to go that go to public school to bring your personal Bibles to school, not just your phone, but bring your Bibles. And, uh, and what we found is that the first year, I think there was maybe 40,000, something like that. Now it's up to about 650,000 that have signed up for it. And so, you know, every school, they do different events and things like that. But it's so cool that we have that movement because, man, there is a there is an opposition to that that is just insane, man. I was reading about some of these things uh, that are going on in the schools nowadays, and uh, we got to know our rights, you guys, and we have to make sure that we fight for them. Tens of thousands of kids uh, walking out of their classes to protest things like climate crisis, and they get the, the support from the school system. But here you have students going in to school, and it seems like they don't get the support. Uh, I was uh, reading about one gal named Isabella. She was an elementary school student who was taken to the principal's office after asking permission to share her Bible uh, with her friend. Imagine that. You know, you're a little kid, and you have a Bible, and you wanted to share God's love, God's truth with uh, one of your, you know, friends, and 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 she gets in trouble for that and so they take her uh to the principal's office um i was reading a lot of stuff on this and we don't have time really to get into all these things but um it's amazing the way that the bible is hated by the world that we live in it is hated you know second lady uh what's her name karen pence she was attacked for teaching at a christian school or chick-fil-a is being banned from airports due to the fact that their owner has biblical beliefs. And so we have to fight uh, for these things. I love the fact that it's legal for us to, you know, bring our Bible to school. A lot of times people think, well, it's not legal. You can't take it. But you can. You can take it. You can read it in your lunchtime, in your breaks, before and after school. You can share it with your friends. You can even share Bible passages and during in your reports and in your assignments and things like that so don't think it's illegal but but why why does the world why do they hate the bible so much because they know how powerful it is uh, the the enemy who hates the work of god knows that man if he can get the the scriptures out of our hands if he can get the scriptures out of our hearts you can do all the other stuff but, um, you know, if you don't have the word, then we're going to be in big trouble. Think about this for a second. Where would we be without God's word? What, what, what direct, I can't even begin. I thank God I've been a Christian for a long time. And, and I don't, uh, but how do people live without the Bible? 
I mean, how do they know what to do? I mean, in marriage and money and the meaning of life and so-called purpose and ministry, how do they do it? And it's just they're left to themselves. They're left to cultural relativism. They're left to, as a man thinks, and, you know, the Bible talks about there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is destruction. And so, you know, I, I hope that as we go through Psalm 119, that this will find a special place in your heart because it's all about the Bible. And as you go through it, uh, I'm telling you what, man, you're going to get blessed because it is a battle that we're in. It really is. And so uh, what we want in Psalm 119 is kind of interesting. It's the same thing. Lord, I want to make it known. I want to make it valuable. And I want it to find a home in my heart. And so Psalm 119, today we're in verse 129. We start there. And it says, your, your testimonies are, are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. The entrance of your words gives light, it gives understanding to the simple. I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for your commandments. And so one of these days, when you have maybe an extra hour, you know what you might want to do, just read Psalm 119, and for every verse, just write down what it teaches you about the Bible. It's kind of cool just doing that, you know. Um, there are five verses that don't mention the Bible explicitly, but all the other verses, 171 verses out of 176, uh, mention the Bible using synonyms, okay? And so here in, in verse uh, 129, your, your testimonies are, are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. And so... What happens when you keep God's word, which is wonderful, then your life will be wonderful, huh? You guys remember that, that movie, It's a Wonderful Life? That'll be you. <laughs> Why? Because the Bible's it's wonderful. I know it's wonderful, and so if I keep it, it'll be a wonderful life. Now, you guys know the story. How many of you guys have seen the movie, It's a Wonderful Life? If you haven't, I encourage you to. George Bailey, remember him? I mean, he looked at his life and maybe it wasn't like all nice and tidy and it wasn't smooth sailing for him, but it was exactly, if I could just say it this way, the way that God wanted it to be and what a difference, what a dent he made in not only his own life and family, but in the lives of others. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy. It'll be difficult. There'll be challenges. There'll be opposition. There'll be a cross. You'll have to deny yourself. You'll have to die to self. But by keeping God's word, because it's wonderful, I promise you, you're going to have a wonderful life. What we find is that God's word, it gives light to the simple. Notice again there in verse 130, the entrance of your words, it gives light, it gives understanding to the simple. And that's something we read back in Psalm 19. Remember, there are three Psalms that major on God's word. Psalm 1, Psalm 19, and Psalm 119. It's good to know. But back in Psalm 19, verse 7, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And I, if I, we're honest here, a lot of us here, we qualify for that. You know, I don't have a, a, lot, a big, you know, vernacular. I don't have this great education. I don't have the highest IQ. I'm not the smartest guy in the world. But because you've studied the Bible and because you have the Spirit of God working in that, you know, using the Word of God, you end up as a simple person 
You're, you're wise. You're a wise guy. You're a wise girl. You know, left to myself, I'm a kid without a clue. Left to myself, I'm, I'm driving in the dark. I have no headlights without the Lord, without his word. You know, it's interesting here in verse 130 how he says the entrance of your word, it gives light, you know. I mean, the word of God, it, it enters our mind, it, it enters our hearts, it enters our lives as a light. Um, we have a visual here, it's kind of cool. This light bulb, you know, and this person, their face, their head. If you can visualize, that's the kind of light that enters in. There's a famous idiom which says a light bulb went on. Huh? And that's what happens when you get saved, man. I remember before I was, you know, I didn't know spiritual things. I couldn't understand anything. I didn't have a clue. But then when I got saved, it was like a light bulb went on. And the more that we know God's word, it's kind of like the brighter it, it, it gets, right? And suddenly we begin to understand. And when, when you study, and then you start understanding. The, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the more of the word of God that you have and you hidden in your heart and the light turns on, it's like the more faith you can have, the bigger mountains you can move, the things that God will do. But it all starts by studying his word, right? And so um, now we know how to do marriage. Now we know, we know just the, the logic or the logistics of money and, you know, uh, I don't know, all this stuff, the meaning of life and ministry. It, it, all, it all makes sense, which is why we read in verse 131, again, I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for your commandments. Now you might read that verse right there, and you might think, this guy's kind of like a fanatic. This guy's kind of like crazy. You know, I'm, I'm cool. I'm not like that. You guys are going to see in going through this psalm that this person is just in love with the Lord, like in a way that I think it is so inspiring to me. You know, can you imagine someone panting for the word of God? To pant means to breathe with short, quick breaths, typically from excitement or longing, even sometimes for desperation. And so, I don't know, have you ever seen your, your thirsty dogs panting? I remember my little dog Chip with his tongue hanging out, you know, like that. I mean, that's what he's saying. This is how I, I feel towards you and your word. Uh, we think of our dogs. The sons of Korah saw the deer like this and compared themselves to the deer in Psalm 42. Remember, verse 1 and 2, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so uh, pants my soul for you, O God, my soul thirsts for the living God. You know, and it's like crazy because a lot of times, man, you just look around and you look at the church and they're not, they're not really thirsty. They're not really thirsty. They're just drinking from the wells of the world. But, you know, here we see, man, when you start really understanding the value, the power of the word of God, you know, you begin panting like that. More often, that, that's what we see. This is where God meets me. You know, I, I pant for you, Lord, and that's why I pant for your word, because I know that when I read your word, you meet me there, Lord, and, and you speak to me. And so we read next in verse 132, Look upon me and be merciful to me, as your custom is toward those who love 
your name. Now, again, there are five verses that don't mention the word explicitly. This is one of them. And, uh, but another unique thing about Psalm 119, if you, if you remember, is that all, all with the exception of four verses are a prayer. It's just a big, long prayer. And we're going to see some of them, I would say, man, that would be a good prayer to pray. Maybe even take one psalm and just pray it every day. One of this psalm and then that psalm and that psalm. A verse, I should say, in Psalm 119, you just pray it. This is a prayer, right? Look upon me, Lord, look upon me and be merciful to me as your custom is toward those who love your name. Mercy me, Lord, for I love your name. You know, do we love the Lord's name? You know, and you think of his name earlier, we were singing that song, Yahweh, Yahweh, you know, uh, as a beautiful name. Oh, the Old Testament is I am. Uh, what, what do you need? That's what God says. I am, that's his name. I am whatever you need. I am your father. I am your provider. I am your protector. I am your savior. I am your sustenance. I am your guide. I am, and it's so cool, you can, whatever you need. You read the book of John, and it's all about Jesus and his seven I am statements. And then eventually, when you look at the, the names of God, that's a whole different study of itself. But then when you look ultimately at the name of Jesus, right, that's the name above all names, according to Philippians chapter 2. And that means... You know, Jehovah is salvation, Yahweh, Yeshua, Yeshua, you know, Yahweh is salvation. And it's for that reason that we love his name. Proverbs 18.10 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. What do you need? Um, you got to give God enough time alone. You on your knees, talk to God what's going on in your life. What's going on? You have to give him that time. Don't be in a hurry when you spend time with God. Give him time and he'll tell you what's going on in your life and, and he'll tell you what you know your problems are, what your struggles are, and what you need. And then you'll find that God will then be there to meet that need. So cool. You know, verse 133, direct my steps by your word and let no iniquity have dominion over me and so life is lived step by step okay you you want to go over there and you're like okay lord i want to go over there and god says okay take step number one you're like no i don't want to do step number one i just want to go over there and god says no it's step by step by your word and that's so important when we read the scriptures we're going to learn the precepts, which are the specifics, we're going to learn the principles by which God gov governs our life. When we read his word, he's going to speak to us in a very personal way. We always talk about this all the time, don't we? It's a personal relationship with God. So it's a precepts, it's principles, it's personal, and it's powerful. You know, notice again what he says, direct my steps by your word, and let no iniquity have dominion over me. What if? What if you're here tonight and you are being dominated by a certain sin? Is that possible? 
I think it's possible if we don't, you know, fortify ourselves, if we don't get strong in the Lord. You know, when we're in his word and he begins to speak to us, and he guides us step by step. And, you know, we come to that place in our life where it's like, man, you know what? I'm walking in the power of God and there, there's not going to be any sin, no anger, no drug, no drinking, no porn, no lust, uh, no lies, no unforgiveness, no bitterness, no, uh, nothing will have dominion over me. And it's not that I'm all that powerful because I'm not, I'm very weak. I'm very weak, but I know that when I let God be my strength, it's a completely different life. You know, not just sins of not doing things, but again, like I said earlier, sins of, you know, you start doing things. You love the unlovely. Isn't that the test of a true Christian? And so nothing has dominion over you. You know, not because we're strong, but because we're functioning under his strength. I remember... I don't know if you guys heard about these two guys, and uh, they were both working uh, for a moving company. And one of them was real skinny. He wasn't very strong, and he tried his hardest to work, you know, but here he is trying to lug furniture around. He lasts for a little while, but eventually he just realized he wasn't too strong. He wasn't strong enough. And so you know what he did? He gave his two-week notice. Get it? He was too weak. You guys are slow. <laughs> I wonder sometimes, have we given like our two-week notice? Lord, I can't do this on my own strength. Can I do the exchange life? Like Hudson Taylor said, can I exchange my life for your life? I says, cool. And when he does that, it's completely different, right? And so he, he leads us step by step. No dominion, no, no iniquity has dominion over me. Verse 134, redeem me from the oppression of man that I may keep your precepts and make your face shine upon your servant and teach me. We see that 10 times in Psalm 119. Teach me your statutes. Man, he's not teaching you. Uh, whatever your favorite Bible teacher is, is not teaching you. When you come to God with the right heart, Jesus is teaching you. And you just pray that prayer, Lord, teach me. Teach me your statutes. And it's so cool what God does. You know, God's face shining on us right here is mentioned is in verse 135, speaks of him smiling on us. And it was part of the high priest's prayer over the people in Numbers 6, 24 through 26. Remember that prayer? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And I think of those two things, grace and peace. That's God smiling over us. When, when we gave our life to Christ, we got saved, grace and peace. And then as we're growing and we're embracing this, it's so cool how God gives us that. You know, what we find is so cool looking at this. And like I was telling you earlier, this guy's, this guy's a fanatic. This guy is like a fanatic. Look what he says in verse 136. Rivers of water run down from my eyes because men do not keep your law. Now be honest. Be honest. Is that you? Do you ever just weep? Rivers of water. 
Not because people don't keep your law, but because people aren't keeping God's law. I'll tell you what, and I, I not, not to sound weird or anything, but God help us to, to get there. God, Lord, fan the flame of our hearts that are so cold. Let us come to that place where rivers of water where I'm weeping because people are not obeying your word. I think what ends up happening a lot of times in the church is we're grading on a curve and we're like, well, okay, well, you know, most people are right here. They're like nominal. They're mediocre. They're California casual Christians. And I'm a little bit above them. And God says, no, this is kind of how you need to be. You're like, well, Manny, that's too much. I disagree. There's a reason this is here. God help us to come to places like this. Look at, at, at verse 137. Righteous are you, O Lord, and upright are your judgments. Your testimonies which you have commanded are righteous and, and very faithful. My zeal has consumed me because my enemies have forgotten your words. Now here in, in verses 137 and, and 138, the psalmist identifies God in his word as upright and, and righteous, right? Well, notice again, verse 137, Righteous are you, O Lord. Upright are your judgments. Verse 138, uh, uh, righteous and, and very faithful, right? And so, you know, his zeal, he sees God and, and this, his word is righteous. And so his zeal then kicks in when he sees the enemies acting contrary to God's word. And, and basically what he says is, that's not right. And suddenly there's this righteous indignation. There's this zeal that just consumes him. And so when I was thinking about that, I'm sure you guys would think of the same thing, huh? It reminds you of Jesus, huh? When he went into the temple and he saw the money changers ripping off the people and just hindering the work of God. And he went in there and he cleaned house, you know, gentle, sweet Jesus. We read it in John chapter 2, 13 through 17, how he went in there and he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and money changers doing business and so he made a whip of cords and he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. Imagine if someone came in here and just started turning all these tables. You know? I mean, and, and this, not that we can't like sell Bibles or something like that. It's just that they were gouging the people. They were ripping them off. They were lining their pockets. And geez, they were doing it right there. In, it would be in the sanctuary. They were doing it in the court of the Gentiles. And so the Lord quoted from the book of Isaiah, chapter 56 and verse 7, because three years later he did it again. You read it in Mark chapter 11, verse 17. He says, my house is supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations. But you made it a den of thieves. And so again, it's just rooted in God's word. It's, the Bible says it's supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations, for the Gentiles, and you are selling stuff, literally in the Greek language, that's where we get our word emporium, you're making it like this mall in this court of the Gentiles. And so the Lord, in his zeal, he was just cleaning house. 
So I don't know, when you read this, this is, these are the things that start happening when you really get into God's word, when God's word really gets into you. You're not just this cool, casual Christian. You know, you're not. You're not nominal. You're on fire. You're on fire, and God just dominates every area of your life. It should be that way. And every person you see, you want them to get saved. And every single day, I mean, like, people trip out on us. What are you guys doing on a... You're supposed to be watching the Dodger game and also I think the Rams play tonight. You guys, you guys are here. You're weird. They'll, they'll say you're weird. And, you know, I'm sure there are get-togethers. I'm sure there are people, you know, over there, you know. And, and so, you know, and you, you, you come and you study the Bible on, on Thursdays. And then some of you guys are here on Fridays. Some of you guys are here on Mondays and Wednesdays. And and Sundays, and you know, you're studying the Bible, you wake up in the morning, you read your Bible, you do that every day, and then after you read the whole Bible, you read it again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and they're like, what's, what's up with that? Because when you, when you love God, and you love His Word like that, this is kind of what ends up happening to you. And that's why Psalm 119 is so cool because you read it and you don't have to read it and think, well, that's for weird people. That's for those who are like uh, over the edge. No, this is, this is like the, the standard that God is calling us to. To where that's not right and your zeal kicks in. That's what he's saying right there. My, my zeal has consumed me because my enemies have forgotten your words in verse 140, therefore, your, your word is very pure, therefore, your servant loves it. You know, I mean, pure truth. You know, we like things that are pure. We like things that are not diluted or they got preservatives. No, just pure truth. That's what his word. If only we'd remember the absolute purity of God's word. Now, Psalm 12 and verse 6 says, The words of the Lord are pure words like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times, do we realize, do we realize what we have? Do we realize, and purified seven times in God's furnace, do we realize what we have, this Bible that we have? You know, that's why he says, therefore, verse 140, your servant loves it. I love it, because I, I know what it is, Lord. You know, when it hits home, the application is inevitable. We, we fall in love with the Bible because we just realize what it is. Where would I be? Where would I be without the Bible? Where would we be, you guys? How would we live life? How would we know what to do as a parent, as a, as a husband, as a wife, as a worker, as a friend? You know, what's the meaning? Where did I come from? Where am I going? What, what, what's it all about? Where would we be without the word? And that's why we have to be in it. We fall in love with it. You know, I was uh, thinking about Mike McIntosh. He has a book on how to study the Bible. Real, real basic. And the name of the book is uh, Falling in Love with the Bible. I think we have a picture of it right here. And so do you, do you remember... <laughs> Any of you may remember what it is, what it's like to fall in love? You guys remember that? It was kind of weird, but, <laughs> you know, falling in love. Your stomach's feeling funny. You can't eat. You lose a few pounds. You know, you're on the phone for a long time. It's just a, it's a trippy feeling, you know, falling in love. Um, 
And I remember, I still go back 30 years ago when I first became a Christian, and I got my first Bible, and I remember just tripping out on the pages. They were so thin, but then they're, yet they're so strong. And then I remember reading it. In the beginning, just falling in love with it. I mean, the books, even just the book, you guys, there's no book like this book. It's special. Huh. And then as you, as you continue in your life as a Christian, you fall in love with it, not because it's new, but because now you know how true it is. Here we see he loves the word that way, and we should too. It's so cool when, and I encourage you guys, just in case you're here and you don't have a, a nice Bible, you know, with the, the pretty pages and all that kind of stuff, get one. I know we have them on our phones and our iPads and all that kind of stuff, and those are great resources as well. But, but get one of these too, you know. And I remember one time I got a Bible and I, and I started highlighting it. I highlighted the whole Bible. And so someone saw it, and they're like, that's weird. And I'm like, yeah, it's all good. I don't know why I did it, but I think I did that. I highlighted the whole Bible because Pastor Rawl had done it. And so one day I just decided to do it. But, you know, you mark it up, and it marks you up, and it's just something about having one of these. And so in verse 141, he says, I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your, your precepts. You know, we, we don't just feel small. We are small, huh, in comparison to God. But he says, as a result of that, I don't, I don't forget your, your precepts. We, we can't forget. And it, it's, sometimes people do forget. So for us, in reading this, we're like, no. And nine times in Psalm 119, he talks about not forgetting. One time he says that the enemies forget. But eight times he talks about himself. And it's like he's, he's determined, right? Uh, he says, I will not forget. I have not forgotten. I do not forget. He says that five times. In verse 93, he says, I will never forget. And that's the way we have to be with the word. You know, it, it may be that we have to be proactive in committing God's word to memory verbatim and working hard to refresh our memory, as Peter speaks of in 2 Peter 1, 13 and 15. But I think another way of applying this has to do with not just reading but heeding, not just learning but living it, because that's what James says. If I, go, if I hear the word, and it's like, okay, you have to make these adjustments, but then you go away and you don't make those adjustments. He says it's like, man, looking in the mirror and saying, okay, i got to change this, that, and the other, but he doesn't do it. James calls that person a forgetful hearer in James 1, through 25. And so I, I, will, I will never forget. I will not forget. Over and over he says that. And I think the best way not to forget is as soon as you live it, I mean, as soon as you learn it, you determine to put it in practice. You watch what God does. But even if it means other things than that, like, for example, maybe in your house you have scriptures that are up there, and they've been up there for so long that, you know, they've almost been forgotten. Or maybe it's time to put new scriptures up there because now God is doing a new work in your life. And it's okay. You're like, well, yeah, but Manny, it doesn't look as nice and cool as that one right there. It doesn't matter what it looks like. You know, those things are on your wall. What are they on your wall for? To look good? No, they're there to remind you of things. So what do you need to be reminded of? Maybe it's time to put new scriptures up. 
Because I will do whatever I need to do. Because when God speaks to me, I'm not going to forget. That's what he's saying. Your, your righteousness, in verse 142, is an everlasting righteousness. And your law is truth. Trouble and anguish have overtaken me, yet your commandments are my delight. And we, we've seen this over and over again in the Psalms, how huh? when he's going through trouble, he just goes to the Bible, right? He, when he's going through trouble, he goes to truth. You want to know why? Because when you're going through hard times, you want to know what's going to happen? The devil will come and lie to you. He hasn't changed his tactics. So you're going through a different situation, whatever the troubles are. And you know, God doesn't author all those things. It's not the devil always doing those things. Sometimes it just happens. God allows it. But the devil will capitalize on it. And that's why when you're in those situations and you know, you're going through trouble and the lies will come, it's important for you to just get into the, the truth. Uh, um, verse 144, the, the righteous of your testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding and I shall live. And when, we, when I say live, when God says live, I mean really live. That's the life. That's the life when you begin to understand God's word. John 10, 10. The thief has not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Verse 145, I cry out with my whole heart, hear me, O Lord, I will keep your statutes. Now, what do you think he's praying? 145 is a prayer, right? I cry out with my whole heart, hear me, O Lord, I will keep your statutes. How many of you here think that that's, that's a prayer for he's just saying, Lord, I'm going to do it. Hear me, O Lord, I will keep your statutes. I'm crying out with my whole heart. I'm going to do it, maybe. It also might be him just saying, help me, Lord. <laughs> help me, Lord. Hear me, O Lord. Because if you do, then I'll be empowered to keep your statutes. I, I cry out to you, save me, and, and I will keep your, your testimonies. I rise before the dawning of the morning and cry for help. I hope in your word my eyes are awake through the night watches that I may meditate on your word. And so what we find right here, how many of you guys like waking up early in the morning and getting into the word in prayer? I'm just curious. Nobody here. Okay, one person, two. <laughs> the rest of you guys do it, but you don't like it. No, I'm just joking. It's kind of cool how he says, you know, I, I do this uh, before the dawning of the morning. Why? Because once the sun rises in that culture, life gets busy. Huh? Things start happening, and it's, it's never, you can never capture it. You know, so it's kind of cool when you're able to do that. And then even through the night watches, the Jews had the three night watches from 10 to 2. Um, and then from, no, wait a minute, wait. The sun, sun down to 10 was the first watch. So in those days, they didn't have lights. And so when the sun went down, you know, you're pretty much, you know, you're inactive. You're not doing things. So they had the night watch, military watches from sun down to 10, and then from 10 to 2, and then from 2 to sunrise. 
And so he says, through the night watches, I'm just, I can't sleep. Insomnia, so Lord, I'm just, I'm just reading your word, right? And it's just so cool. Basically, if you have never experienced it, I, I encourage you to do this. Spend time with God. You know, a lot of times we like to spend time with our phone, right? And we have to be really careful with that. Um, I, some people would rather spend time with, with Siri than with God. Did you guys know that? It's a trip. Nowadays, they're trying to have these relationships with these devices, man. I mean, I, I'll admit, every once in a while, I do talk to Siri. We have a little conversation, you know. The other day, I asked her, what should I be for Halloween? And she said, I should dress up as chapstick and tell people I'm the bomb. <laughs> Seriously, if you ask her that, that's what she'll say. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I didn't. Um, but I am, I am concerned, and I think you guys are probably concerned with the way that people will spend so much time on their phone and not with their father. There's something about, you know, before the sun, you know, rises through the night. I remember those early days, especially as a Christian, man, just up, you know, the wee hours of the morning, just nothing like it, spending time with God. He says in verse 149, Hear my voice according to your loving kindness, O Lord. Revive me according to your justice. They draw near who follow after wickedness. They are far from your law. You are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are truth. Concerning your testimonies, I have known of old that you have founded them forever. And we talked over and over again about revival. And so the Lord kind of gave me a different uh, definition of revival. Revival is when there's no rival throne in my heart. No one or nothing comes before Jesus. That's revival in one sense, huh? We just, it's this great awakening when God does a work. You know, the enemy's going to come. He's going to draw near. It says in verse 150, but at the end of the day, it says in verse 151, God is near. God's between us and our enemies, huh? And he protects us. And isn't it so cool, that last verse right there, concerning your testimonies, I have known of old that you have founded them forever. And so um, I wanted to show you guys this. Remember how sometimes I told you guys that before I was a Christian, I read the whole Bible? This is, this is the Bible that I used to read before I was a Christian. Um... And I think it was given to me when I was nine years old. And for whatever reason, I started reading it and reading it. And something did happen in my heart, like it says there in verse 152, concerning your testimonies, I have known of old, that you have founded them forever. Something in my heart, and instill this in your children, something in my heart knew this was the word. Something in my heart, it just knew from old, man, this is God's word. And what, what I found is that eventually, I, I not, didn't just, you know, know uh, this as an academic thing. It became, you know, real and living and powerful, and it spoke to my heart and, and everything, you know. But, but eventually what ends up happening is when God gets a hold of your heart, then you realize, man, it's not just a temporary thing. It's not just an earthly thing. What does God give us his word for? If I can just close in one last word play. What does God give us his word for? forever for forever 
for life, for heaven, for eternity, bringing other people into that place called heaven, God using our lives. I, I pray that we would know that's his word and that's why he's given it to us. And um, I, I pray that we would be a church that would just fall in love with the Bible. If you haven't been in it, if you haven't been saturating yourself in the scriptures, I pray that today as you go home and just God will show you the divine details, that you would just learn how to swing your sword, how to study it, how to live it, learn it, love it, and that you watch what God will do in your life. Okay, this whole thing right here, prayer in the Word, prayer in the Word, prayer in the Word. We see.